0: What's up everybody, Milen is here and welcome to the Calligraphy Masters podcast. This is a show where I talk with some of the most inspiring and influential artists in the world of calligraphy, lettering and sign painting with the goal of exploring their mindset and understand how they became successful. Today I'm very excited to be speaking with a good friend of mine, James Lewis. And there is a fun fact that last year we actually started the podcast with him we did an episode but this episode never came to life and another fun fact is that it took us maybe two months to come up with the episodes you're about to hear in general i'm super happy that we finally did it and i hope you enjoy listening to james story and his secrets so let's jump into it Abibin. uh okay yeah. A bit, a bit strange week is like last two weeks I have a podcast every day and, and this week every day the podcast has been postponed in the last moment and I'm like Oh really? I'm like what a fucking week.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and like so
1: wait, what do you go on? Um what do you what else do you do? Are you still doing a lot of calligraphy and things like that?
0: No, I don't what? do pretty much any calligraphy.
1: Really? What is it like? What do you get up to? What's your day job like?
0: It was uh, YouTube, but then uh, YouTube uh, demonetized my channel in uh, January, so I'm uh, no way. I'm uh, figuring a way to bring it back, and uh, right now I'm doing podcasts all the yeah. time cause, awesome, man. Yeah, because that's my thing right now. And doing some merch and stuff, and
1: yeah, obviously, like the prints as well. How how did the prints go?
0: Mm. they went okay but I guess the price was a bit high because there are still some but like
1: yeah
0: yeah I That's think uh, it goes. I think when now uh, when I release the merch because I don't know how much I have maybe 30 or 40 prints left yeah and then I probably will put them with a um, much lower price because
1: yeah 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 just to sell them off yes and so
0: yeah man crazy like uh i cannot believe we were <laughs> we made it it's been i don't know I know,
1: man oh well, it's been a, it's been a long time like probably like um, like two months maybe
0: yeah postponing probably every more. week <laughs>
1: yeah yeah we've just been we've been busy haven't we we've been doing things and
0: yeah, yeah. and uh i'm i was uh, i felt like uh Awkward at one moment, man, like, we're like, all the time couldn't make it, and I was like, come on, like, how is it possible I managed to do a podcast with everyone, and when it comes, your day, <laughs> every time <laughs> something was popping.
1: I know, man, it's a shame, but hey, we're here now, and that's what matters. Yeah, yeah, like,
0: uh, finally, man, it's awesome to awesome. see you. How are you doing, dude?
1: Yeah, you too, you too. Um, yeah, I've been busy, so, uh, are we recording? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, sweet, sweet. Yeah, so um, I've been real busy. I've been in Norway just this past weekend. I was teaching a lettering workshop out in Oslo. That went really, really well. It was um a lot of good fun. We had, like, so many people come along. We were really, really close to selling out. Um, the space we were in was just incredible. And then seeing, like, so many cool people come along who have not even done lettering before and then teaching them the whole process over six hours and then seeing them come away with something that's, like, really really good it's so so satisfying man it's it's so good i tried to um i tried to like share some of the images yesterday on instagram but like instagram was down here in the uk and i panicked (laughs) i was scared man and it, it made me think it made me think you know if like instagram went down and you know i lost all my followers and things like that fuck i'd be in like uh i'd be in a bit of a problem you know it'd take a while to build build back up to what i've got now
0: i know and, uh, man yes yeah, so, i had so this, that's where i'm at i've had the struggle also like i don't know but some time ago instagram or facebook something was not working and i i, I had the same fear man i was like what the fuck like what if my yeah. numbers are gone <clears throat> like this is like work of two three years and then oh, exactly and it's dangerous it's it's dangerous because it's it's not good to be relying so much on one place, you know.
1: Yeah, man, that's so true. Like, over the past, I'd say, I don't know, six months, I've really realized that. And I've tried to slowly, like, diversify where I'm at. So, at the moment, I'm working with uh, TikTok, which is another app. Okay. Yeah, so so they, they're, they're really cool, actually. They're really, really nice. And um, they're commissioning a lot of artists at the moment to go over and produce um, content, basically, like creative content, mostly video, well, only video. Um, So they can sort of um, build a creative community on their app. And I think it's really, really cool that they're doing that because, you know, I've not seen much of Instagram doing anything like that in terms of creating a community, which is a shame. You know, obviously, when I first started Instagram, probably around, I don't know, four or five years ago, It was a very, it was a community, you know? Yeah. There was not a huge amount of people doing lettering or things like that. So everyone sort of knew each other. Everyone was like commenting on each other's work. Uh, The way that the feed worked, you'd always see other people's work. Opposed to, you know, seeing like Kim Kardashian or someone like that. But uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm working with TikTok at the moment. So that's one way that I'm trying to like diversify my reach. I recently got a um, like an artist development deal here in the UK with um, like a very prestigious old guard, um, like art gallery. So I'll be able to produce a lot more just straight up art and less commercial stuff. And again, that's sort of something outside of Instagram as well. Like if Instagram went, I would still have that avenue to make money. And then also like building my email list. I think, I mean, you, you I'd imagine you know all about this, you know, with the podcast and YouTube, like. If you you know building your own email list is so important because you have those group of people who are interested in you and you can get in touch with them whenever you want
0: yeah it's funny because like email list is one of the like i don't know probably one of the oldest ways of doing some any kind of uh, online marketing yeah and like there's been so many times people and videos uh, talking like yo email like list is dying and stuff at the same time email list is being used all the time man and
1: it is i think it's like i i overrated it for a very very long time and um i was speaking to a friend of mine tom from design cuts and he's basically built his whole business off the back of it dustin lee he did a uh podcast with uh the future and that's on YouTube. And he talked about how basically he built a six-figure business off the back of his email list. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you should definitely check that one out. It's it's incredible. And it's like, it, it, it makes perfect sense, you know. With Instagram, you're sort of springing into the darkness. It's like people do follow you, but they follow you for a specific thing. Like, I like I have a, a silly amount of followers, <laughs> But it's because, you know, some of those people like the logos that I paint. Some of the people like the more traditional hand lettering. So when I post something, it'll only reach a certain audience. Whereas with your email list, if you say, hey, sign up to my email list, this is the information you're going to get. I'm going to give you promotions. I'm going to give you discounts. You're part of like an exclusive club that's going to get all the best stuff first. Then that actually, you know, it gets people interested. So yeah, definitely, I'll definitely look into that. No, you, anyone out there who's listening
0: <laughs> you, you made me think man because like uh since the beginning of calligraphy masters like i've been focusing on anything but my email list and uh, my email list is like i don't know it's less than a thousand people so it's yeah it's like this just made me think because you're so right like i mean i know it <laughs> like that is important but like you know when i it's different when i have somebody else to like like you right now Talking about Mm. it and it makes me think because I know it, but I wouldn't like think about.
1: Yeah, no, I literally had the exact same conversation. I was in your position about a week ago, speaking to Tom, where I was like, like I've done research. I understand email marketing. I know how it works. I know how to build a list, but it's not something I've focused time into because it's not something I've seen results from. But obviously I've not seen results because I've not put in the work. So... It's one of those things, like, it, it's a small investment in time, and then obviously working out interesting things to give to your email list, but once you figure that out, then it just grows exponentially.
0: Well, uh, Stefan Kunzman, he's uh, developing his uh, email list for quite some time now. I don't know if you've noticed.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, he's really, really clever at what he's done, so he's got people coming back week after week with his half-baked sketches. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's genius. Um I know for sure there's a lot of people out there who they love lettering, but they don't know what to write. And then they're also looking for, you know, a community and also feedback. And what he's doing is providing all of that through his email list. And that's really powerful. And yeah, it's definitely something that's inspired me. And I've, I've looked into ways that I can do it similarly, but obviously not copying what he's doing because like his is very within his style and that's cool. So I need to sort of figure out a way I can do something within my style.
0: But there's a thing, man, like, uh, it's not really copying him. I mean, even, even if you do the same thing, it's like you have totally different styles. So you're just uh, maybe copying or like what is...
1: I don't think it's exactly inspiration. Yeah,
0: Yeah, because like, yeah, you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it in your own way because you just see something that works. That's a good idea. I mean, copying will be if you do... Exactly like I mean, you can do the his stuff, so I don't that's think that's
1: exactly a good point yeah i wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do some of the like the lettering sketches that he does because it's, it's you know it's not within the realm of what I do, but yeah, no, I think it's really, really impressive, and then's also like Lauren Hom, she does a really good one as well where she's got home, homework homework, and yeah, it's very similar where week after week she sets like a task for people to do. Huh. And then they go away and they do that lettering task or that creative task, and then they hashtag it and she like reviews some of them. So I yeah de- I don't think Stefan was the first, but he's definitely at the moment sort of capturing probably the most email leads because he's just quite he's really he's a really clever guy. He's good at what he does.
0: He's f- fucking smart man. I love everything yeah, that he, he does. Like it, I can see every in every step of his. It's like. Uh, thought put in and his strategy and everything and it's just like awesome man it's awesome to see yeah. people do think and work like this
1: yeah and he's a nice guy as well I've had you know I've had a few chats with him before and we've been we've like collaborated on some projects and yeah yeah he's a really really nice guy
0: oh sorry man I, I'm just uh, drinking from time to time but I'm listening to you so it's okay,
1: man, you got to keep yeah. that energy up, you know, yeah. I, got, I got coffee here, so. Yeah,
0: really it's, uh, I, I don't like drinking this kind of stuff, man, but uh, sometimes I'm forced, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's yeah. the podcast life for you.
0: No, it's just like my fucking whole life uh, <laughs> for me. <I> don't know, <laughs> in one of the, some episodes ago, somebody asked me if I drink coffee or something, and I was like, I try not to, because I've been a bartender 11 years. Yeah. And at one point, I was drinking way too much coffee.
1: I'd imagine so.
0: So I try to stick with water and fresh juices, but sometimes the energy drinks uh, have to come in, man, unfortunately.
1: (laughs) No, I'm the same with coffee. I go, I have like weird phases. So I'll go from, like, I'll do like a month off coffee and then I'll reset sort of my, the chemicals in my mind and I'm like fresh. And then I'll have like one coffee before I go to the gym. And then the next day, I'll need a coffee before I go to the gym. And then before I know it, I'm on like three coffees a day again. And I'm like, right now, it's time to stop.
0: Nah, no, but you're young, man. You can still get quite a lot of coffee before you <laughs> get my stage. I'm on the OD, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, ho- hopefully, hopefully, I'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs>
0: well, and uh, I was thinking, it's funny that you thought talked about tiktok because uh all i know about tiktok is memes and uh, i've seen uh, everything about tiktok from pewdiepie and uh yeah and uh, like one or two weeks ago a friend of mine he was like yo dude why don't you do some calligraphy at uh, tiktok i was like i was like what the fuck man like this is yeah it's
1: it's really interesting because it started off as musically which was um, basically, I think you'd like mime to songs, basically. Yeah. And then that was then acquired by a big Chinese company who wanted to make it similar to what Vine used to be, but like a more updated, user-friendly version. And now they've got a lot of people doing the sort of meme stuff, like you said, but there is also a lot of people who are going over there with their creative talents. And they're really they really want to nurture that because they can see that the more like high quality content they get out there from like genuine creators who have, you know, honed their craft for years, the more legitimate the brand seems, I believe. So and and also like, it's, it's an incredible platform to get on. It's like, it'd be like jumping on Instagram when that's just starting to blow up. Like the likelihood of you being able to grow an audience, being able to reach new people is, you know, huge in comparison to Instagram now where it's very similar to Facebook where it's quite difficult to um sort of build up your own personal brand unless you're doing a lot of things outside Instagram to sort of filter in whereas Instagram a while back you could sort of just post on Instagram and build quite a good following that way.
0: Yeah, but uh, now you have to pay for it man like you have to pay them to reach uh, your whole followers base which I yeah. mean this is yeah, like Yeah, that's true. I mean that I can't be complaining because, like, many people are complaining for this algorithm and stuff. But I don't think, like, people don't think that this is a, a still a free platform. Like, uh, exactly. Like yeah. uh, nobody yeah. is nobody has to make a platform and give to people to use and then for them to benefit.
1: Yeah, man, and it's it's like it's it's not impossible. Like, you can still grow organically a channel on Instagram. That's completely possible. I yeah. think. Like, I, I'm lucky enough, I've been able to do it. It's sort of, you've got to see what's going on, see how the algorithm changes affect your content, and then adapt it. Like, you can still keep doing the same thing. Like, I've been doing lettering now for, like, seven years. But the way that I share it, the way that I present it, has changed massively. Like, over the past year, for example, I've been doing at least one video a week. And I've done that because... I noticed Instagram was moving towards video as like its most prominent thing. So I was like, okay, well, I've now got to switch up the way I present my artwork to maintain an audience and to continue growing. And now Instagram's sort of changing again. So it's just, now I focus a lot more on stories because a lot of people just go on Instagram, they flick through stories and then they're done. So the majority of stuff that I post on my feed will also go onto my story as well, just so, People are still updated with what I do, my goings-on and things like that.
0: That's, uh, it's, I think it's cool for a lot of people to hear this because I understand it and it's smart, but uh, at the same time, I, I think many people don't even think about those kind of things in this way.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it, like, I mean, I think it's, it's gone, gone are the days where an artist can just be an artist. I think these days, we've all got a, any, any creative person, you have to sort of understand marketing. You have to be, understand how to present yourself and sell yourself. So like my, my girlfriend, for example, she's like a really good illustrator. She'll be graduating university this summer. She's done some like incredible um, card designs, like uh, birthday cards, things like that. But then she doesn't really have much of a, a creative Instagram presence or an online presence. And then what they're teaching in universities, especially from what I've learned travelling around the UK and teaching in universities, is they're they're really kinda of outdated. So they're teaching these students how to create their own blogs and write about their art and all of this long form written content that doesn't get read, it doesn't get views, it doesn't get any attention because the attention is at Instagram, it's at Snapchat, it's at TikTok. And that's the sort of thing that I guess should be taught more in Universities and you know it's the, it's the things that I talk about like on podcasts or when i 'm doing lectures or uh, workshops because its it's what's important it's what's happening right now
0: yeah yeah and uh, well what what other social medias do you use for your art and work to promote
1: um so the obviously the main one is still instagram like that that's my pillar content basically anything that anyone yeah anywhere my work gets shared I make sure that my Instagram is the first thing people click through to um I have my website and I made that with Wix that's um that's super important for any creative person is to have a very good like portfolio based website and it's just like it's all well and good you scroll through someone's Instagram and you're like that's nice but then you go onto a website and you can see like case studies and you can see like a bit more of the process. You can see the clients that the person's worked with and you, you need that sort of separation. Um, I don't really use Twitter much. Um, I have a Facebook account, but again, I don't really use that much. I mostly just reshare from my, um, from my Instagram. Um, and yeah, like I said earlier, I'm sort of building an email list. So ideally within like the next year, my main focuses will be Instagram, um, if TikTok starts taking off for me, then I'll definitely be sharing my content on TikTok as well with some also exclusive content on there. Um, and then my email list.
0: Have you ever tried
1: Behance? Oh yeah, I used to. So that's where I, f- I first started, um, ages ago. I had like, um, I think I reached up to like 5,000 followers on Behance over like two years. And I was, I was happy with that. And I posted a few, like quite a few projects on there. I got featured a few times. But I think as soon as Behance was bought out by Adobe, it really went downhill. I think that was like two, three years ago now. If I'm, yeah, it might be. But, um, but yeah, I think, again, like the community aspect was sort of taken away. A lot of the people who were on Behance um, sort of shifted their focus onto things like Dribble because there was a more community base there. Um, same with like Instagram. I know a lot of people now who, um, like leaving Instagram completely and focusing their efforts on Pinterest. So do you know the page, uh, type gang? Yeah. Like another type sharing page. So I, I'm in like, um, I mean like a group chat with him and like a few other sort of like influencer pages. And a lot of them are sort of pushing their efforts now towards Pinterest because, if you can build up a really good Pinterest board, it's so easy for people to be tagging and sharing. And then if you can get the content to sort of link back to your website, it's like a huge, huge driver of uh, website traffic to his, to his site now, which then you can obviously turn into like ad revenue. You can sell them products. So yeah, there's Man, there's dude. a lot of different ways. But I think, I think a lot of it is going where, like Instagram know right now that they're the biggest shit you know they they're top dog right now instagram know it face like facebook has like sort of becoming less of a social thing so they know that they can just ram ads at you all day every day and you'll still keep coming back to their to their platform whereas things like tiktok uh pla- yeah platforms like tiktok like pinterest you can use you know there's less people on there necess well there 's still obviously millions and millions and millions of people on there, but they 're still vying for the, the top spot, so they 're still working towards c- curating communities and making sure that the platform is um, sustainable for growth as well because the reason I see Instagram slowly not dying off, but over the next five years, either something will take over it or it will have to do a drastic change is because it's a lot harder for people to grow on there and the reason
0: i think they, the reason, they do it because yeah. uh, because it, it becomes more professional like if you want to grow on instagram right now you have to be professional in presenting yourself in uh, paying ads and stuff like 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 any businessman like a normal business you know
1: yeah yeah that's true but then at the same time i think the like the main audience for instagram aren't business people are they And obviously, I'm coming from a frame of reference where, like, we're we're looking at it in terms of a business, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas the the majority of people on Instagram, you know, they're just sharing fun things, like, you know, their day-to-day lives and things like that. And then we're all looking for a bit of validation. We all want our friends to see what we're up to and to think, oh, that's really cool. and You know, give us likes and stuff like that. But the more Instagram pushes ads, um, algorithms that focus on celebrities and sort of not connecting people so much then I feel like there's going to be like a pushback where people are going to be like, okay, well, there was a community element within Instagram. And now I feel like that's lost. And we're all looking for community, essentially, we're all looking for like happiness and community just in life. And unfortunately, we're sort of looking for that online. But and I guess in a way, sort of Instagram fed a lot of that desire. And now I think it's not so much because, yeah, you are right. It is going towards more of a business route. Like, you know, if you like you said, if you want to get a lot of posts seen, sometimes you have to advertise or you have to really tailor your content similar to what I do to the platform so that people will share it. And so you'll bring traffic into your Instagram account.
0: No, but I think like, I mean, if you use it, first of all, Facebook and Instagram are the best places at the moment to get to pay for any ads you know like this, oh, yeah. you can get the audience you need for the cheapest and the thing this this will change with the time like in two three years it won't be as cheap as now and uh, in in two three years more and more people will be willing to pay but right now like right now it's ideal time to use those platforms as uh paying them for ads and uh, promoting yourself
1: yeah no I, I completely agree with you i don't I only do ads when I can see there's like a, an instant return. So for example, if I'm teaching like a workshop, like for example, the workshop I taught in Norway. So without going into too much detail, say my ticket price was $1 and then my ad spend was 50 cents. I know that's scalable. So I would put 50 cents on, I'd get one person signing up and I I did that a few times. Whereas like say... Six months ago, if I was doing a workshop and the algorithm was better, basically, even though I had probably 50 to 100,000 less followers, I probably wouldn't have had to put that ad spend on. But, but you are right. Like It is good because I can target people who, who are interested in calligraphy, who are in the city of Oslo. And then when I did some research at the workshop, I asked people, you know, how did you find out about the workshop? And they were like, oh, I saw an advert on Instagram. So it definitely works, you know? It definitely works.
0: Yeah, it works. And I think it's great for people to hear this because I'm sure many of them have no idea, man. Like, I try to keep up all the time with updates, with uh, people who are, like, uh, much better with it and uh, going professional with it. So I know those things, like, Yeah, it's not so cool. Like uh, nobody is enjoying like this. I mean, in terms of like everybody would prefer everything to be for free and to get a big reach and grow fast. That's awesome. But I think this is also one of the reasons they do it the business way because they see like some people out of nowhere all of a sudden they have huge audiences and they know that those people make money out of it.
1: Of course. Yeah, of course. And yeah, they're a business at the end of the day, you know, Instagram is a business, Facebook is a business, all of these platforms at the roots of it, they have uh, shareholders that have money in the company, and they need to make a profit. But, but yeah, like, at the same time, like you said, there's a lot of people who can almost like rig the system to make some money, like, for example, that what was it? The world record egg. You see that? That's brilliant. Absolutely genius. <laughs> Man, that's, like, that's it's fantastic. So, and like, yeah. And they made um, a ton of money on merchandise. Um, like they they did so well, and they did uh, like an NFL advert, and then they turned it because they got a lot of backlash. They sort of turned it into like um, like a mental health awareness sort of thing, which was nice. You know, I'm glad that they sort of put it in a, a good light. You know, obviously after they made a ton of money off it. But like, there's still, and there always will be ways to game the system. But I think as, like, I wouldn't recommend that ever. Because as an artist, as a creative, like, that, you know, the easier it comes, the easier it'll go. Like, give it six months, no one will even remember the egg thing. You know? Yeah. It's a gimmick. But it's sorry yeah whereas me and you building an audience like we've been doing that for years people recognize us people have seen us on instagram they've seen us on podcasts they've you know seen us collaborating with other people they've you know interacted with us via like direct message or something like that you know there's there's a relationship formed there not just uh oh that's interesting and now i'm bored of it sort of thing
0: yeah but this, this was brilliant with the Eggman. like when i saw it i was like what the fuck like how? How is this? And I was thinking, should I make a post-war of calligraphy? Like, say, let's make this the most uh, liked calligraphy post or something like this? Because yeah. it, it was pretty stupid what they did. It's like very simple and <clears throat> still it worked. I'm
1: like. Yeah. I think, I think the most interesting part of it to me was the fact that so many people aren't happy with the, the normal narrative of what's going on. Like, the whole, the whole basis of what it was based on was, like, let's get this picture more liked than... What was it? The most liked image, which was, like, Kylie Jenner. So, I don't, I think they, it didn't have to be an egg. It could have been, like, a sponge or a brick. It could be anything. But the, the, the point was that it was against this normal line of culture, I guess. And it was, yeah, it was super surprising that it... Like, counterculture, even though it was just an egg, it is kind of counterculture... And it is sort of trying to fight against what's going on at the moment. And then the amount of people that sort of got behind it really opened my eyes up to the fact that people are looking for something new, some, you know, a new form of, I don't, it's hard to explain, but like they're sort of like the Kardashians are almost the pinnacle of this consumerism culture without getting too deep. And I think people are sort of looking for ways to subvert that and people aren't happy with it. That that was the most interesting fact to me,
0: anyway. Oh, well, dude, I was thinking like we started the podcast very differently with you. Usually, like this whole podcast, the idea is to talk about the journey of the artist. So, and I know like we also like last time when we spoke, we spoke about this, and I know you explain it and uh, say the story in many different podcasts, but yeah. I don't know, maybe it's uh, tiring, exhausting, annoying, but uh, can you share a bit about your background, like where you're from, how old are you? Yeah, sure. What's your life? Yeah, can
1: yeah. You... It's okay. I'll talk. I'll talk. I'll talk for a while. Hopefully, I can maintain people's interest. When I, this is what happens when people like say, say, I go to like a networking event or something like that. So people are like, oh, hey, who are you? So I'm like, oh, hey, my name's James, and I draw letters. And they're like, okay, but. <laughs> But when I try to explain to them, like, the sort of the, the narrative, you know, like, oh, I've drawn logos for companies all around the world. Um, I have over 300,000 Instagram followers. Um, I paint cool things and people buy it. They look at me like I'm from Mars and they're so, so confused. Uh, so it's, it's kind of hard to explain what I do. But I guess drawing letters is the foundation of it. I am uh, a lettering artist. Um, yeah, like I said, drawn logos for loads of different people. Worked with clients like Samsung, Red Bull. Working with Facebook currently on a project which I can't really talk more about, which is a shame. Um, what else? <laughs> yeah, I travel and I teach a lot of workshops, which is probably my favorite thing to do. So I've been able to travel you know, all over Europe, Asia. I did like an American tour last year, which was phenomenal. Being able to teach my like 3D lettering technique. So that's all so exciting. Uh, I started lettering, I think it was around seven years ago. It was sort of, it started off as sort of like a coping mechanism. I had like quite a, a an unfortunate childhood. I lost parents at a very young age. Um. Yeah, it was quite a difficult time. So as most people do when you're depressed, you sort of jump into something to take your mind off it. And for me, it was lettering. And I guess that past has sort of informed where I'm at now, where the lettering uh, that I create the most of, like the artwork and the quotes and things, they always have like a motivational sentiment to them, And it's the sort of, it's the sort of like motivation that I would sort of say to myself growing up that no one around me would say to me. And it's that sort of stuff that sort of pushed me to sort of take what happened to me and use it to my advantage and not let it weigh me down. So that I guess that's that's the overall sum up of what I do. And it's really that's a really condensed version of it. But yeah, like you said, I've told that now on so many podcasts and, and I've told it at like, um, I was at a conference last year. I did like a keynote speech and I spoke 20 minutes just on that, the little foundation and then another 20 minutes on what I'm doing these days. <laughs> but uh, I was
0: wondering, cause I lost my mother when I was 20 and it was hell of uh, a lot of things to deal with. And, you were much younger than me, man, and uh, you lost both your parents, like, I mean, I had only my mother, because uh, I never met my father, but yeah. still, I can't, uh, I don't know, like, how? how is it, like, I think you was 11 when you lost them, right?
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah, I was, I was 8 when my dad passed away, and I was 11 when my mom passed away.
0: Well, how does a person uh, deal with this stuff and uh, keep going, man, like, uh, what, what's the I m- think, motivation, yeah. or I don't know, the push, like? How? Why? I
1: think I was I was always kind of a, like a motivated child. I always felt within me that I could sort of achieve something. There was always just like this weird feeling inside me that like I wasn't going to let life get me down. And I think, I think that came from like throughout my life, like my dad wasn't really around. Like even though like he passed away when I was eight, I never really saw him much prior to that. And then I had within me this sort of, I guess, desire to make like my dad proud, make my mum proud. So then when, when they both eventually did pass away, that sort of feeling then compounded and grew much, much more. So it was always, instead of like accepting their loss and sort of um, wallowing in it and allowing it to sort of push me into like drugs or things like that that were going to ruin my life, it was sort of a wake up call that, hey, life is pretty short or it can be anyway, so why not make the most out of it whilst, whilst I'm here? And then like past, like past, after my parents passing away, there was situations that were, in some cases, worse than them passing away. And all of these situations then sort of, I don't know, I just had a mindset that no matter what came at me, or wh- whether it was criticism, people saying, you know, you can't do this, you're not good enough life just putting me in situations that made me feel like that I just sort of always saw the light at the end of the tunnel and pushed through like I remember there was times like I was like not long after my prince had passed away I'd literally be lying in bed just sort of visualizing like a nicer future because at the time obviously I was very depressed very unhappy and I'd sort of visualize how my life could be in the future like how I would be happy how I'd be surrounded by friends how I'd be successful, be wealthy, and yeah, be happy. And I think this this idea that I built up really helped me to sort of push through.
0: Awesome, man! Uh, just like it's it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 awesome to hear you talking about it because like you're first you're younger than me. Second, you lost them like when you were much younger than uh, than my age. And yeah, it's, it's super admiring and respect for you, dude. Like. Uh, I really admire how, this. How you.
1: old are you? How old are you now? Then
0: I'm becoming thirty this year.
1: So, so yeah, you lost your parents about ten years ago, which is what like around the same time I lost mine around ten, well, eleven years ago now. Well, I guess. And um, like, it doesn't. Yeah, it's around the same time. You see, like over like the ten years, like, I guess the the reason I'm able to sort of speak about it now is because like at first I couldn't, like I couldn't speak about it. I'd get really angry when someone brought it up or, like, upset. And I think over time, you sort of, you you tell yourself a story, basically, that, okay, well, that has happened. There's nothing I can do to change that. So I have a decision to either let it control my life or use it to motivate me to create something that I want out of life. And I think, yeah, obviously it's tough. like it, And it doesn't get easier, you know. I'm lucky because in some ways I have... Um, like friends and like kind of extended family who are around. So there's, I still have that support system. So I am massively lucky in that respect, but, but yeah, it never, never really gets easier. Yeah. A hundred percent. It happens like no matter what, like doesn't matter what age you are when they pass that it's inevitable. It's going to happen.
0: No, but it's good to see, to know and see people like, uh, you like finding a way to manage uh, with it and uh, handle mm-hmm. it and keep going. Cause I know for sure many people, this will be a breaking point for them and then everything will go wrong yeah. and, uh, in all kinds of crazy directions, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. And like when I, when I spoke about this at the, the, conference, um, like it was, it was amazing the response afterwards. Cause I had so many people come up to me afterwards of all different ages and they said to me you know when when they lost their parents it was like you said a breaking point in their life but then me having the sort of confidence to be able to speak about it and tell them how I dealt with it they were able to sort of reframe the what they had gone through and like even within just the 40 minutes that I was speaking some of them said like they felt a shift within them that they can sort of now accept what had happened to them and they were, they were able to speak to me about it where they'd not being able to speak to so many people in the past and i think just yeah like even being able to speak on this podcast i'm i'm hoping that people listening if they've been through something like this then me just sharing how i feel and how i dealt with it would help them
0: yeah that'd be awesome man. i'm sure there'll be people who find it like uh, resonating with them so yeah it's for me it's also weird to speak about this because like like only very few people from the team and people who know me know my story but most of people don't so it's a bit strange to talk about stuff like this but in the end of the day we're all humans man and we all deal with crazy stuff so i guess there there'll be quite a number of people who relate to this one yeah yeah i'm sure man i'm sure And uh, dude what at what at what point uh, in your like career like last one two years at what point everything started going crazy like
1: uh... it was it's sort of like a gradual thing where like I would get so I left university two years ago and I had been freelancing for I'd say probably like the whole time in university so for the two three years I was in university yeah for the three years I was in university I was freelancing Um, and I was getting a few projects here and there through Instagram through Uh, local contacts, things like that, wasn't earning a huge amount of money. Um, And then as soon as I graduated university, I made the decision to go freelance straight away. And that was it was it was good. And it was bad because it threw me into a position where it was sort of make or break, like I had to make something out of what I was doing and dedicate a lot of time to it and focus and energy. Or I would literally have no money. So, so like putting myself into that position, and it's something that I've I noticed that I do within my life. I don't really have Plan Bs. I like right. I'm in my mind. I'm like right. This is what I'm gonna do, and it's gonna be hard, but I'm going to achieve it. So I left university, and then for the first, I think it was like ten months, I made like just enough money to survive, just to, just enough money to like live. Um, I had saved up a bit of money from freelancing whilst I was in university. Um, so then, then I'd say after that, I had like 10 months, I think it was, with the first economic year of me being out of uni. And in that 10 months, I probably had like, I'd say about like 10 to 12 projects, which isn't a huge amount. But what I, what I think set me apart and what helped me build my brand massively was the fact that whether I had a project or not, I was working. Like I'd be creating so much content just for Instagram, just to, just to like showcase like portfolio stuff. Like if I wanted to, for example, work on like a beer label branding for a company, I would just go ahead and write up a brief and design it for myself, get it printed, like present it and do all of these things so that if, you know, luck happens and a beer company is scrolling through my feed and I'm like, oh wow, he does that, you know? So I think, I think after those 10 months, of like consistently putting content out and my Instagram was growing, it started to really like heat up then to where I was getting, I'd say it was probably like one project request a week. And that was quite a lot. A lot of them, well, yeah, some of them didn't really come through and I've had some really bad clients who have sort of ripped me off and like not paid me. Um, but then, yeah, some really, really good clients as well who I've been able to work with and develop relationships with, which is, you know, it's, it's amazing. So then I'd say I was working, I was doing that then for a year. So that was like last year, I was doing probably, probably, like, a, probably like three projects a month, like logo designs, commercial lettering, things like that. Then I started to focus more on the, like the personal side of what I was doing. So it was more art-based, it was more quotes, it was more art prints um, and things like that. And obviously initially... It was really hard. Like we done a run of prints. You can see one of them there. Yes. That was like the first print run, yeah, that I did. And um, it did okay for the amount of time that put into it. I think we only sold, well, overall we've sold a good amount of prints, but within the launch I think we only sold like five or close to ten or something like that. But it was, it was, just, it was a good sign to me that, oh, I can produce artwork now instead of relying on other people to make money. So then I started to focus on that. I started to still do the commissioned work. And then I also started to teach as well. So then these, they, these three like revenue models worked perfectly together where I was teaching probably once every two months. And that would bring in a good bit of money so that and then I could focus more on the art and less on the logo design stuff. And then I guess the more that I focused on less commercial projects, the more content I was creating, because it was more visually interesting, and I noticed obviously the more content I created, the more projects that would come my way. So then I was like, luckily enough, to sort of get into this upward spiral where everything I was creating was great content for Instagram, and then everything I put on Instagram brought on great projects. So then over the past six months, it's been kind of crazy. I've been traveling all over, teaching, um, yeah, working with some huge brands. Some of them I can't mention right now because. I'm under contract. <laughs> if I speak about it, then I'll get arrested no I won't <laughs> someone will like kick down the door and I'll just get dragged away <laughs> but um but yeah it's now now it's like really really cool' it's to the point where I'm like some of the work I can't really fulfill myself, so I'll like creative direct projects and commission some other like lettering artists or graphic designers to help me out but um but yeah, it's good, and it's you know it's growing nicely which is which is always good to see.
0: And how, how do you feel about it? Like, uh, was it overwhelming or you were more like, okay, finally, finally, this is like what I've been, uh, crushing my <laughs> yeah. ass for.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I think, um, I'm definitely the sort of person who will always strive for more. Like I've definitely been told that I've made it, but it, there's a part of me inside that's like, yeah, I'm doing all of these cool things, but I could be doing this. So in my mind, there's always like the the next step, which is right now it's you know getting my own studio space here in Cardiff and really nurturing the community. When I was out in Oslo, they had this beautiful like open plan studio. I think there was like ten artists in it. Well, ten designers, and I really want to do that here in Cardiff. So and then once I've done that, then we can start building out um, like structures where. I can, you know, pu- pu- like start doing this around the UK, building like art spaces for creatives and then helping them manage their social media. So there's that side of something I want to do. Um, what else am I doing? So yeah, like I said, the artist management. So I'm going to have like a big art show up in Edinburgh later this year. So that's another side of something that I want to be pushing. Uh, what else? Obviously, like the commercial logo, lettering and things like that, that's great. I get to work with some amazing clients and that's really, really cool. Like one of the projects I'm working on now is for a very famous um, luxury goods brand. And I'm designing like a full font, which they'll be using across. It'd be like a 3D font that they'll be using across their product ranges. It'll get painted onto like products. So that's like awesome. That's going to be my work like spread around the whole world. And that, yeah, and that, that's really cool as well. So yeah, oh, like, I guess in answer to your question, like, it's a great feeling being able to live and do what I love, but I'm such a, um, I don't know, <laughs> I'm just a kind of a perfectionist. And I just want to be pushing the boundaries of what I do. So I'd never be in, a. would never feel like, oh, I'm completely satisfied with where I'm at. There will always be a part of me that like, wants to do more, like, what's the next step?
0: Yeah, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you think there are actually such people that like, okay, now I made it and that's it. Because like, man, I've had so many goals that like, I've been giving all my energy and time and whatnot to reach them. And once I reach them, I'm like, hmm. it's like I have already like a ton of other yeah. like goals and ideas. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird, man. Because like, I remember for some of the goals I, I have, like I gave so much energy and time and effort and everything, and once they were fulfilled, like I don't even had like some special like oh, awesome, you know? It's, it's, yeah, it's very weird. I don't know.
1: No, I'm I'm exactly the same. I think most people who are creative, they're definitely like that, and it's because our minds, I guess, they work in a way where what what we're doing right now is normal. So like working with. like some of the biggest brands in the world is normal for me, like creating artworks and then prints that sell out. Like that's normal to me. And like me two years ago, I'd be like dreaming of that. Like, Oh, I can't wait for that. But then you're right. Once it happens, you're like, Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Now I need to, now, now I want to paint like my, the next artwork I'm going to be doing is like two meters long by like a meter and a half high. Like, okay, I've painted a cool stop sign, but now I want to paint a huge canvas so there's, yeah, like there's always the, the next step.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And uh, last year or was it last year? I don't know. Like I'm losing some info, but like, oh, you, you made this, our time has value project. Yeah. And this would like, this wasn't like very good, but at the same time, I feel like there's still so many people, which I don't know, like don't think about this or ignore it. Like what, what provoked you to make this project? And
1: uh, so for, for me, I'm like, I'm lucky that I get to speak about this because it is such an important issue that's going on. And like I said, going around the universities here in the UK, and I imagine it's all over the world, is that the issue is, so there's, there's two issues, basically. The first issue is that creative professionals, young creative professionals, mostly, they're not taught how valuable their skill set is to a potential business. So then they'll go out and look for projects for like, I don't know, like a hundred pound for a logo or something like that. And then the issue is um, then the client, because he's, you know, either he's had a logo designed for free in the past or, he you know, he's had people do posters for him for exposure, things like that. So then in the client's mind, the logo isn't even worth a hundred pound. They should do the logo for free. So... There, there's sort of a perception issue here with the value of creative work. And I think what needs to be done, I think it needs to start with the, the proper education of creative people. And then they can then educate the client. Because I think, because, yeah, because the client, like no, no one's doing anything in their mind that is bad. We're all coming from like a fully rationalized point of view. None of us believe we're the bad guy. So when a client says to you, oh, that's way too expensive, they're not saying that because they're feeling like they want to be an arsehole to you. They're saying it because in their mind, through the experiences they've gone through, your work isn't that valuable. So I think what, like, I'm still on a process of learning right now. And my rates have changed over the past six months a lot. Um, how, how I charge clients and I'm still learning this process myself um, so it's not like I was I was offered uh, like the opportunity to teach an online course about this about the whole our time has value campaign but um, I, I don't feel like personally I'm ready and I at the same time I don't think this should be something that you'd have to go online to learn about and to pay you know whatever like a couple hundred to hear me speak about it like, I'll try my best to, like I'm saying, share knowledge like I do on podcasts and things like that because I feel that's that's more important. I'd rather uplift the creative community and have more clients understand the value of work than me charge 10 people, like, whatever however much money to learn from me. And then they only can spread that information to 10, 20 clients or, you know, however that goes. So it's... It's 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 a huge issue, and it's not something that I alone can change. But it's it's something that was really pressing to me. It's something that I still want to push towards changing, and it's something that I still do really care about. But again, the issue with things like Instagram is the campaign. It blew up, and for two months there was, I think we had like a thousand people create artwork stating our time has value, and that's absolutely incredible. And at the time, a lot of people were talking about it. There was people like on podcasts discussing ways to value your time better. And it was was a huge movement. And I was, you know, privileged to be able to sort of spearhead that. But the thing is with social media is that it's transient. Like it was here and it was important, but now it's not so here and it's not so important. So we were, whilst it was all going on, we were trying to come up with ways to add sort of longevity to what we were doing to the campaign and we came up with the idea to pitch this concept of teaching people how to value their creative time better to big companies so that we could go into companies like google and facebook and run events for all of their employees as well as creatives in the area so for example like we go out to um, like london in the Google offices. And me, I was collaborating with uh, Stefan Kunz and Ian Bernard about this and Thad Cox as well. And we were all discussing ways that we could um sort of get in touch with these companies, do talks with them, uh, paint like positive murals, and really like live stream it and get the message out to as many people as possible. And that's something we're still working on now. Like, We've we've got contact in place, and we're just trying to pull the strings and make it happen. So if anyone's listening and they want to help spread the word of how to value creative time, we were thinking probably the best company we could work with was um, WeWork, who have um, spaces all around the world um, for collabor- for co- uh, what is it like co-working spaces for freelancers. Like if we could get in touch with them and we could host talks at their space and paint murals and help the people in their space make more money so then we work also rises as well and we have this sort of collaborative ongoing relationship then yeah that'd be amazing
0: awesome and uh beginning of the year you like i saw it on your instagram maybe in your stories not sure but i guess like there was your goals for the year and there was another hashtag similar to our time has value i don't know I guess some other project, but don't remember yeah. it right now.
1: Yeah, it was so. It's called. Uh, um, I can I don't want to speak too much about it because it's not going to happen for another like good couple of months. Yeah, but, but it's basically it's basically um, the foundation is the advertising, the 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 foundation of advertising is basically that hey you're not enough right now you as you are you're not good enough. But if you buy this product, you will be good enough. And that over time, like information like that, getting put in our faces constantly makes us feel inadequate. So I have like an idea for a campaign which I'm going to be running on World Happiness Day next year um, to basically tell people they're good enough. But I want to do it properly in a way that I can pretty much take over the world get this message in front of hundreds of thousands of people in some of the most influential places. And, um, but yeah, like I think getting it, it'll obviously be focused. Like it'll start on Instagram, but on the world happiness day, it will be everywhere. That's the plan. So, so it's, it's, it's sort of like a step up from the hour time has value because we'd be bringing it into the real world as well. So people who don't necessarily follow me will be able to see it. Um, I'll be looking for funding for it. So there'll be sort of tiers of how people can get involved, whether it's creating an artwork or putting in like a bit of money so that we can get it out. But, but, but like, you know, I wanna do this properly. So I'll be collaborating with like a creative agency so we can put together videos of it. We can really explain the whole process. There'll be like a small GoFundMe account or um, like a Kickstarter or something. And like all of that money will then go into like ad space. So we'll have our messages in, like, Times Square, London, Piccadilly, Madrid. Well, it, like, the plan is to basically have the message spread out across the world on World Happiness Day.
0: That's, yeah. that's awesome, dude. Like-
1: Glo- Global Takeover 2020? Yeah, Global Takeover 2020, hashtag, we are enough. Or you are enough. How, how, one of them how do you <laughs> how
0: do you even come up with the, those ideas like our time has value and now this one you're talking like they're fascinating and awesome like how do you come up with them is it like you're sitting for a long time and thinking some uh, problem to fix or similar
1: similar so it's sort of both of them were re- it's really weird actually because it was sort of like i'd be lying in bed and I'd be kind of like meditating, so my mind would be empty, I'd be really relaxed, Uh, probably just be listening to sort of like a a soundscape, just like meditation music or something. And then what's weird is that when you're trying to meditate, your brain will do all it can to get your attention, okay? And then for me, it's sort of like, so I'm lying there and it's like, my brain's like, oh, you're hungry. I'm like, no, I'm not hungry, go away. And then and then it's like oh you could um, you could watch like some Netflix right now and it's like I don't want to watch Netflix go away, and then it's like oh you could you could start a cool campaign that will inspire loads of people and i are like okay go on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so, so like that that's what it was for the for this campaign that I'm coming up with now and it was the same with the of time has value where, the, I can't really you know I didn't sit down and diagram everything or plan anything out it just sort of floated into my mind. And then for the next hour, I was so inspired that I just wrote down like a full campaign plan. And it just sort of happened like that. It's really, really weird and hard to explain. It's, it's, <laughs>
0: like, I think it's, it's good here because it would be awesome if more people were like uh, putting their energy into something like this, you know, because... Yeah at least five or 10 people a year will be great, man. There will be first, there will be interesting projects. Second, there will be some uh, value that I can point to follow. I don't know how to say it because.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I think as long as, I think as long as your concept has its main focus, helping other people, then, then yeah, it's really, really powerful. And people like we need more of that. A lot, a lot of what goes on now, it has money at the root, at the focus. Is you know, how can I make money? Like, you see a lot in, like, advertising over the past, like, year. Like, obviously, making money is the focus, but then sometimes the way they're doing it is by, like, pointing at social justice issues and say, look, these are the problems in the world. Buy, buy our product. You know, like, like, here's the problems in the world. Here's the solution our product. And it's, you know, like, obviously, they're businesses. They need to make money, and I guess in some ways they are doing some good by pointing at the product, uh, the problem and so occasionally raising money for it. But at the same time, I think people resonate more with someone who's doing something simply to have a positive impact. Do hmm. you
0: think so? Because I'm, I'm thinking like uh, all these big brands and companies who use such kind of marketing, they have some smart people behind it, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, and, uh, definitely.
0: I'm like... I'm just thinking if if people are actually gonna go more towards something positive,
1: I think that's definitely the way things are going is uh, well definitely here in the u k anyway a lot of um a lot of the big companies and a lot of the big adverts that have coming out lately are they're very like focused within the time frame we're in and they're very touchy about things they talk about and they're trying to say like Look, we're uplifting people, we're making a positive impact because I think a lot of people want that in their life. They want to feel like they're having a positive impact because they can look outside and see how bad the world is being presented on like the news and things like that. And they want to feel like they're having a positive impact.
0: Hmm. And dude, like now you like have lots of projects and uh, I guess you're super busy. Like how does your usual day go? man?
1: Oh God, it's crazy. So at the moment, I'm in like a transition period where I have my, I have an office space here in Cardiff, but in that office space, I share that with a graphic design company and I can't really paint in there. So I'm doing like at the moment, I'm probably doing like one or two days in the office where I'm replying to about like 30 emails um, and then doing some like graphic design based stuff, whether it's like digitizing a logo, or something like that. And then for the remainder of the days, I'm here, which is my bedroom. <laughs> and I'm painting things, like we got the stop sign behind us. I painted a load of stop signs. Um, you know, I painted three stop signs and sold all those, which is incredible. Um, so yeah, I'm painting, I'm creating content here. So it, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of difficult, obviously, with that going on at the moment, being back and forth to the office. So. I'm trying to get studio space, like I mentioned, here in Cardiff. And as soon as I have that, I'll be able to get back into the routine of doing my 9 till 5, Monday till Friday in my studio space and then occasionally teaching on the weekends.
0: Oh, fuck. My, my question <laughs> popped up. Like, why wait? What was my question? Oh, I hate when this happens.
1: Hey, man, it's all good.
0: Uh no because usually sometimes i have prepared questions but that's the thing with you i've already like we spoke before and i was like i think it's better to go just more like a conversation you know
1: yeah just like an organic yeah. convo. yeah
0: but then uh, this happens sometimes when i choose this way it's like i'm like i'm listening to you like what you're saying and thinking about my question and then i keep yeah. listening and all of a sudden you you <laughs> stop and i'm like
1: ah no, that's, I mean, I watch. I watch a lot of podcasts, a lot of creative podcasts, a lot of like comedic podcasts. And it always like really impresses me how the hosts can listen to people and then ask questions and then also provide like an interesting, their own take of what the person's just said, or whether they summarize it very well, and then continue on. Like that's so good. Like that doesn't happen usually in conversation. I think some of the realest conversations are actually happening on podcasts right now so it's a really really cool time to be doing podcasts and it's something I wish that I jumped on maybe like a year ago I started doing a podcast but I'm happy to like jump on other people's and I think that's that's a lot of fun.
0: Well that's awesome like I don't know for me it's it's still something new that I'm doing like and uh, I don't know it's I'm still like learning things and it's different uh, very different from everything that I've been doing. Yeah. but uh, I enjoyed and uh, yeah, and I'm willing to improve. that's like like a few days ago, I asked Stefan because he was like one of the first uh, episodes. and then a few days ago I asked him, "Hey, dude, how, how was I doing? because you know it's new for me and I, I want some feedback. yeah and uh, he recommended me some dude in his book. Which I haven't found yet, and also he recommended me his podcast. But yeah, would you give some uh, advice as well if you can? Because
1: what well, for, for you? Yeah, like what um, what to
0: improve? What would be like better to do? And I don't know.
1: That's a hard question. You put me on the spot. Let me think. Um, I don't. I don't know. Like I've enjoyed chatting to you. That's nice. Um, I think. I think my, my issue, not not with your podcast style or anything like that, with just, I guess, podcasts in general, is that, like, obviously I'm just one person and I have sort of my story. And obviously I've been on quite a few podcasts now, so anyone who's listened to this, who's heard me in two or three other podcasts, a lot of what I'm saying is sort of repeating myself. So I guess if there's a way that you can... Like, I guess, do research on someone and know what they've talked about and then think of either a new angle to talk about what they what they already talk about or maybe new questions that you're interested in that maybe they haven't spoke about already.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's hard to do. Like, no one who I've spoken to has done that. So that's not just my criticism of you. It's just my overall criticism of i guess the the like podcasting world but that but like you know it's natural as well like if you know if we went down the pub or something like that and we we went for drinks or we went out for a meal or we we hung out with some friends no no matter what like we would end up talking about similar things over and over i guess that's just normal life isn't
0: it no but i i appreciate your feedback because this is something that i've been thinking about and uh, at the same time, like, I have two sides about it because, like, one, yes, it's really good, like, to make research and stuff like this. But yeah. then at the same time, you right now are doing a lot of podcasts and speaking pretty much the same thing because you, you're popping up now, man. Like, you're going crazy and I guess there are different kind of podcasts because, uh, like, yeah. that yeah. you might have been speaking the same things, but as much as i know there is no other podcast for calligraphy lettering and sign painting as is as the calligraphers podcast there are other yeah, podcasts for uh, i don't know maybe for typography graphic design but i think this podcast is is the only one in the in the niche yeah like uh, i
1: see what you're saying yeah that makes sense that makes sense
0: so in 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 this view like it's okay like to be doing it this way but at the same time i I understand Like it's really good to do research and to be prepared. I, I really would love to do this, but I guess I need also some time because like, I'm really new to this and right now, I, as I told you earlier, I'm recording pretty much every day and sometimes...
1: Yeah, that's good. Like, the thing is though, like, whenever you're taking on something new, um, absolutely anything, the best way to learn is by doing it. That's you know something that I've lived by. Like the workshops that I teach, like 99% of it is the students actually doing things. Whereas like when I was in university, we would have like four hour lectures of people just talking at you and then they'd be like, okay, now go away and do what we just talked about. And I think that's such a backwards way of doing it. I think the best way would be like a short introduction. Then I talk you through the process and then at the end, if you want to talk about, what's going on, how to be better, then we can do that. But yeah, I would recommend Uh, probably my favorite podcast to listen to would be the Perspective Colle- Collective with uh, Scotty Russell. Mm-hmm. His is really good. It's really clean. I, I went on it ages ago and I had a great time. I'm probably going to be going on it again, which is awesome. He's just a great dude to speak to. He's polished he has good questions he's got like a really tight structure with with the way that he um does the podcast so he has questions he does like little introductions he's got music um it's just really really clean when you listen to it there's like um it's almost like when you're watching like a tv show there's there's a narrative structure i feel like his podcasts have that quite nicely I think, yeah, so that, that's really nice. Um, where else? The Honest Designers podcast, that's really good. Um, who else is good? Anything by Chris Doe and the future. They're, they're more, um, I guess they're, they're a little more academic and I feel like when I go on there, I learn quite a lot. Whereas, um, you know, but but at the same time, like I love podcasts like Joe Rogan and, and people like Theo Vaughn and f- people like that, like Chris D'Elia. They're just like funny dudes and they, some of them, sometimes they're just talking at the camera themselves about silly shit they want to talk about. And that's great too. So I think, I think if I was in your position now where you've done a few podcasts um, and you want to sort of take a route, what I would do is go back review what podcasts this is what i did with my instagram like, i went back i reviewed what posted well what resonated with people what people were interested in and then i tried doing a bit more of that and i just followed that route of my interests combined with other people's interests so yeah and also like reach out to your audience as well i imagine you, you've got an audience who listens to the podcast and ask them like what would you want to see more of so this is this going out on youtube yes yes yeah? Yeah. All right, anyone listening? Comment down below what you want to hear more of. Whether it's, you know, whether it's more calligraphy, whether it's more the business side, whether you want to see a more polished podcast, whether you want um whether you want people to just go on and have a laugh. Like let let us know what you want to see, I guess you're
0: you're great <laughs> thanks for, for <laughs> thank
1: you for. welcome to the james lewis podcast <laughs> man I,
0: I would love to see this coming one day
1: that'd be awesome i'm thinking i am thinking about doing some more youtube things because the the way it's going um youtube is basically set to be the the top place for any video like and i'm talking like movies And like, I feel like YouTube, because obviously, it used to be like Hollywood had like a monopoly on video content. And then everyone got an iPhone. And then it was like, oh, now it's YouTube. And then Netflix took over. And then it's Netflix. But I think YouTube's primed to sort of take over Netflix soon enough. Because when you think about it, I hear this on a podcast the other day, when you think about it, so Netflix will commission a movie or a show, And they'll pay five, six million to produce two hours of video content, right? YouTube has 20,000 people who will create two hours of content and they'll pay them, say they get, I don't know, 10,000 views. I don't know how much that is, but it ain't much. It's nowhere near the amount that Netflix will have to pay to commission a show. So when you just look at the numbers like the netflix model isn't sustainable and it's going to get taken over by youtube so i think i think over the next like s- s- probably year six months to a year i'm going to start trying to do a little more youtube stuff
0: man nah, i love youtube like like seriously it's probably one of my favorite uh, networks but yeah it's it's crazy shit's been going on last month on youtube and so much uh, really changes and uh, crazy stuff and uh, just uh they're like out of touch with the community man like uh, really yeah like
1: that's a shame
0: i hope it will be better because i really love uh, youtube i love <laughs> what it's uh for everything like and it's been the only social media that gives back not like instagram and facebook just takes from you
1: yeah yeah no, that's true yeah it's like youtube have been really good at like paying people for their content
0: yeah and man i really wish there will There'll be like one day more like websites or apps that do the same because like there's so many creators, man, and like being a creator and being able to do something on a daily and still make a living with it. It's 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 just nice, you know.
1: Hundred percent, yeah. And I think the the more people who are out there like yourself creating content that inspire a niche. Then the more people will rise up and do things that they're more inspired to do. Like, you know, you're doing a calligraphy, lettering, sign painting podcast. You're gonna inspire people to do more calligraphy, lettering, and sign painting. You're gonna be bringing this craft to life, uh, like around the world. And that's such an awesome thing that you can do. Well, hopefully, man. Like, that's like. <laughs> yeah,
0: like I've been doing this since the beginning, and this has always been the idea to keep this, like. Uh, can't uh, how to say like are crafts that uh, allow you to use still your hands to be alive, you know? Because so yeah. much uh, technology around us in our days and more and more. And that's the it's idea true. of it: more people know about calligraphy, lettering, and sign painting and more people doing it.
1: Yeah, man, that's what, that's what it's all about. Like, like I I don't know. I've seen like so many people on Instagram, for example, who. They used to do a lot of hand-drawn stuff, and then they moved over to iPad stuff. And then because... I think a lot of it is because I think... I'm, like, I've tried iPad calligraphy, and it, it, it is easier. You can use, you know, that smoothing thing. It, it, it is easier, like, naturally. So when something becomes easier and more accessible, more people do it, and so it becomes saturated. And that was one of the reasons why I sort of did a complete 180 and instead of going towards iPad I went back to painting and canvases and things you know the opposite direction because I could see that that's how it was going to play out and yeah I agree with you I think keeping sort of handwriting alive calligraphy painting sign painting is is so important because yeah the way it's going most things are going to be digital soon enough
0: yeah and I think like I mean it will be for sure and like people like you and me and others like who keep doing this, at one point their work will be super unique and uh, precious, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, 100%. Like the the value, so I had a cool idea when I was on the flight back yesterday, similar about the Our Time Has Value thing. And I'd be putting together sort of, it'd be like not a website, but it'd be basically you put in your skill set, say it's lettering. And then you put in um, how long you've been working on it, say, four years. And then you put in how many other people around the world can do what you do. And I guess for like iPad lettering right now, it's a couple hundred thousand, you know? Yeah. And then after you put in all of these information points, it'll tell you how much you should price your work at. And I think, I think something like that would be quite impressive. It's going back to the hour time has value thing just to give people a, an estimate of what they can do. But, um, so yeah, if there's any developers listening, you want to help me out with that, get in touch, but, um, but yeah, something like that. But what I like the issue I'd be thinking is so many people now can do iPad lettering that you probably can't charge as much as you, you would for something handmade because it's so accessible there are people out there who would do you know like iPad lettering for like a logo for like 20 quid 20 pounds They, they, they would do it because to them that's good you know they've been lettering for maybe six months just on the iPad and they they found a brush that they've liked they can use the I don't know what it's like the smoothen tool or whatever it's called and they can produce some cool letters like awesome like props to you but but yeah, now like hundreds of thousands of people can do that. So the value of that is, you know, is decreased naturally.
0: Yeah, but this is so, I don't know, man, this is like a very sensitive because I remember when you were a beginner, of course, you would love to make some money from it. And people go for super cheap. And then like, I don't know, like the value in artist is lost, man. Because I remember like... Yeah. One or two weeks ago, some <clears throat> some app contact me to do a video and promote like sponsored video. I was super, and when I asked about price, I was like, "Is this a joke?" They offered me like 25 pounds. I was like, "Guys, yeah, like, come on!" Like, I that's didn't, so bad. I didn't even respond. And then like yesterday, they wrote me again. I was like, "Are you for real? Like, do you expect <laughs> yeah. me? Like, you are a fucking yeah, well, company, and you're nice. like, like, yeah." and i don't know this is very sensitive because people when are beginners they love to people to get attention to get some money but man, please please don't do this seriously it will harm no, you. I know. it will harm it will. you in the long term and it will harm many of us as well because i don't know it's, it's not true. good.
1: yeah no it, it is tough because obviously if you you know you're just starting out and you want to turn it into your business like i i was doing lettering for probably two to three years before I even thought about it being a business. And, then, and now I have, I have people that inbox me every single day, like, oh, I've been drawing now for six weeks. How do I, how do I make a business out of it? And it's like, well, you, you don't right now, you know? You, you spend a couple years getting really good, sharing your process online. And then once you've got a portfolio, once you've got a skill set that is unique... And once you've got, I guess, you know, like some, some experience with understanding how clients work, because that's what will happen. You will get, if you continually put like content out on your Instagram, like over a period of two years, you will grow. There's no doubt about it. You'll grow some, you'll get some followers. People will be interested in what you do. As long as you share your process, it won't be fast and it won't be like overnight success, but people like to see the whole process. You know, like if you scroll back on my Instagram and you see some of my first posts, they were awful. They were really, really bad. But you, there's still people who at the time they looked at it. And because to them it was good or they were interested in sort of my progression, they followed. And yeah, that'll happen with anyone watching. So like my, yeah, my best advice and what the advice I give to most of the people who inbox me is don't think of it as a business idea yet like go away and practice it. Like I did four years in university studying graphic design and I started lettering two years before that. So I've got four years of graphic design experience and and six years of lettering experience. And then I've been video editing for um, a few years as well. And like all of these things combine into me being able to do what I do now and charge a good amount of money for it.
0: Uh, Dude, like, I was wondering, how long do you, how how much time do you put into one video, like, which you upload on uh, Instagram? And is it that you record, like, a couple of videos, logos, whatever, at once, and then you've been posting them over a period? Or you're, like, every week making, for example, one and then uploading it? How does it work?
1: Yeah, so it usually, the whole process usually takes around six to eight hours per logo. and yeah, it's usually like once a week because obviously some of the logos I'm painting, I'm not getting paid for. Mm-hmm. So I need to obviously balance that out with projects that I am getting paid for because I still need to eat food. Um, so yeah, I usually do like one non-commissioned logo a week or one uh, like social post artwork or something like that a week. But um, I have like, for example, now I'm working with TikTok, like I said. So the agreement I've got with TikTok is that I need to produce... 3 videos every week for a month for their con- for their site. So I'm doing a lot of work. So that's like tw- 3 6 12 videos over a month, which is huge for me. It's a lot. But then the videos that I'm doing, I'm not going to be doing like 9-hour videos for them because that's just a crazy amount of time. So like there are ways that I can sort of shorten it, but at the same time I like spending a lot of time on a piece of content because that comes across in the final video that you see like you're watching 40 seconds of what took me, you know, like six hours and people, yeah, people appreciate that.
0: And you you said like some of the logos are not being paid. Does that mean this, that the ones that are paid are companies that contact you or you contact them and you ask them for like, for some, um,
1: so yeah, so these days, the companies who I work with, the majority of them, they get in touch with me. But in the past, I have like reached out to companies and like said, Oh, hey, I want to do this. Will you, you know, will you put money behind it? Will you share it? Things like that. So like, it goes both ways. But yeah, the majority of logos that aren't commissioned, I just paint anyway. So I've had companies who have, you know, that excited that I painted their logo, they share it on their channels. When I painted the NASA logo, I had the vice deputy of communications from NASA get in touch with me. And um, yeah, that was crazy. Okay. So he, so he put the video on NASA TV, which is the TV station that they have in like all of the NASA offices around the, around the US. What? So that's incredible. So, you know, it's, it's mind, mind-blowing stuff what's going on. But it's just a case of, like, I've also had people get in touch with me like, oh, aren't you scared of being sued for painting someone else's logo? And the simple answer is no, because, like, they're getting free publicity, if anything. Like, me painting their logo. Um, so, definitely not. Like, you look back at, like, Andy Warhol, the artist, he painted, like, the Campbell Soup logo. And then people thought he was going to get sued. And in the end, they just wrote him a letter, basically saying thank you. Because, <laughs> obviously, their sales rocketed. They went way, way up yeah
0: that's funny do do you enjoy like doing more uh, like uh, artwork or videos for logos or do you enjoy more teaching workshops
1: oh that's a good question um it's really hard it's really really hard because there's there's times when i've taught workshops and i've not had the best time like it's not been a great day um i've just not felt up to it And then there's like the Norwegian workshop that just went in Oslo. That was one of my favorite workshops ever. Like everyone there was so happy, friendly. Um, Ida, the lady who set it up, she like baked us two cakes. She made this incredible soup. And it was just like, it was an amazing day. And it was like, aside from just workshops, it was just one of my, one of my best days of my life. It was just so, so fun. Everything was just amazing. Um, And then it's the exact same with like painting and creating art. Sometimes I'll create art for like six to eight hours and then look at it when it's done and be like oh that's awful I'm not posting that and then yeah and then sometimes I'll create something that like that I don't necessarily think will do that well like for example the the stop sign behind me like it was an idea that I had rattling around for months and months and then when I finally did it I was like oh that's actually kind of cool it worked out and like, that was a great feeling as well and then putting out, um, like we got prints made and those pretty much sold out. We've got like two left. So like there's there's pros and cons of both. I can't say that I prefer one over the other. I see. Fair enough.
0: And uh, do you, like, can you share some of your dreams or goals for the year or maybe for the upcoming year and something? Like what's on James Lewis' mind? <laughs> In
1: Well... Yeah. So, but by the end of this year, I want to have I want to have launched that um, we are enough campaign. So we'd start. That will probably start towards the end of this year because World Happiness Day is, I think it's the twentieth of March, I believe, which is next week. So we'll be doing, uh, like the campaign will start probably November of this year, and then it will run up to World Happiness Day. So that's something that I really want to work on, and I'll need someone to. Someone who's done sort of Kickstarter campaigns and things like that before, i I know there's like creative agencies out there who I'll probably pitch it to and help them get them to help me out. Um so that's a really big thing for me. Over the next like month or two, I'm really, really, really want to find some space here in Cardiff that I can call my own. Um I've got a load of friends out here as well, like who are creatives and they want some creative space here in Cardiff. So like that's that's like the most pressing thing for me right now. Um I'm gonna have an exhibition of my work in Edinburgh later this year. Like, uh, so a lot of my artworks, my paintings, a lot of new pieces that I'm gonna be painting over the next couple of months. So I'm really excited about that. That's gonna be really fun. Um, and then a lot of workshops and just yeah, just more of the same. Like I I get I love what I get to do. I I get to create work for cool clients all over the world and paint awesome things like logos and artworks and motivational phrases. So. I guess, yeah, just more of the same and then more, like, higher scale works as well. I, don't, I want to do a few more murals as well. <laughs>
0: awesome, awesome. Well, if you can uh, give some advice or tip to the people who are listening, to the people who are thinking of uh, going into those kinds of things and if you want to promote anything and whatever, man, just some words...
1: Okay, just fi- final words, close off. Well, wow. yeah. If I guess anyone looking in to get to becoming, I guess, like a successful calligrapher, sign painter, hand lettering artist, all of those things, like I, I'm going to give some sort of backwards advice is don't aspire to be that. Just like enjoy the craft of whatever it is that you enjoy doing. Like don't, and, like for a good couple of years, don't look at it as a way you can make money until it sort of hits you in the face like oh wait I'm I am making money from it that that's what happened to me like I freelanced loads with like graphic design and things like that and then I was just doing the hand lettering stuff on the side as a passion project like I just loved calligraphy I loved hand lettering and it was just so much fun and then people were like oh you seem to be quite good at that now after three years (laughs) can you can you like hand draw us a logo so it I was never initially looking like, oh, I, I really want to make money from this. It sort of, it just happened. So, and like at the same time, those were some of the most fun times I've had with letters because I didn't have to make money with it. I, I wasn't pressured into doing something that w- was going to make me money at some point. It was, I was just freely creating. And then by doing that, I was able to sort of find my style. So to sort of like summarize all of that is just, Just have fun with your craft and try not to worry about making money. Do, you know, go to college, do something else, have a side job, like um, work as a barista or something. Just make money some other way uh, until people are sort of getting in touch with you to like work for them. And that's when you can start like reading books on marketing, reading books on business, and because that's a whole other side of it. You know, I've read so many books on marketing, business, um, understanding like telling stories things like that and it's it's quite it's not the most exciting thing in the world I kind of find it interesting now but yeah like if you want to turn this art form into a business and you want to do it all yourself you can't just be an artist anymore you have to be a marketer you have to be a salesperson of your, of your own work yeah I think that that that'd be a nice little soundbite at
0: the end. Awesome, <laughs> man! I, I love um, it. I love it. I think it's perfect. And and yeah, that's. I, I will, earlier I wanted
1: to ask you about books,
0: but yeah, fuck it. Like I think we have a good episode. And also, like nice. I was thinking, like uh, for the future, man. Like uh, I would, like probably we we'll have another episode in some months or next year. I don't know. And I'll be like you see the difference, like from me. Yeah, man. I'll be more prepared. And I, actually, I was thinking maybe it would be—I don't know if it's helpful for you—but maybe we can do a podcast like when, whenever you're gonna start the this the other project in November. Oh, definitely, yeah, hundred yeah. percent.
1: I'll be, I'll be reaching out to all of my podcast friends just to try and get the message out there because I think it it well it will it'll be definitely be something that the lettering community, the creative community, will be interested in getting behind because it'll be for a good cause.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Awesome! And, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks for your time, dude. Like I'm super happy that we finally did it. <laughs> like. Uh, yeah, same here, man. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy it. Uh, I don't know. There, yeah. there's been only five episodes up, but I don't know. Like I don't know what's how it is with the other podcasts, but the feedback that I have so far, it's super insanely awesome. Which is I don't know. I'm super grateful.
1: That's awesome, man. But, yeah, um, no, I'm I'm sure it'll be good. And yeah, thank you for taking the time to speak, speak to me today. Um, as soon as wh- when will this go online?
0: Well, that's the thing, dude. Probably in a few weeks, cause uh, I told you like I I launch like one episode a week, and then I'm recording pretty much every day. Right. So okay. I have like nice. five or no like six or seven episodes to launch before this one.
1: Okay, fair enough. I don't know. I thinking, okay. Maybe
0: maybe I can push it a bit earlier. Like some sometimes I've pushed episodes. Like if I think, okay, this is like super awesome and I want to get it out. Yeah.
1: Maybe I'll do hey something man, like No this. problem. You you line it up when, whenever you can. It's it's all good. Don't worry about that. But yeah, just final. I guess final. See my work and everything that I do on my Instagram, which is at James L Lewis.
0: Awesome man. I will also <laughs> put it in the
1: YouTube and in the description. Thank
0: and uh you. I really hope to meet you in person one day, man. Like uh hey. I think Yeah man
1: for sure. For sure.
0: I really enjoy your company, like your personality, and I think it would be awesome to spend some time with you, dude.
1: Definitely man. When when are you doing another like Calligraphy Masters meetup? Well that's
0: the thing, like uh, there's like so many crazy things going on right now. Like I have some plans for the summer but Yeah. I'm not sure yet, like really a lot of things are going on so i have to figure out Um,
1: well if you if you do get one set up, you let me know i'll come along awesome man sure yeah man sweet
0: and thanks again buddy and have a have a good one
1: yeah you too man i got a load of stuff i gotta get doing so see you soon
0: so that's it for today guys thank you for listening to another episode of calligraphy master show i hope you enjoyed listening to the story of james lewis and it helped or inspired you in some way Please follow Calligraphy Masters on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And as always, keep writing.